This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Washington, D.C. We call it Piss Town. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. And, you know, after moving quite slow for two years, things are starting to move fast on Capitol Hill, just a few miles away. This regarding the president's call with Ukraine and potential impeachment. Nancy Pelosi, this is coming in just as we are about to record. Nancy Pelosi set to announce that she's letting impeachment, formal impeachment proceedings move forward. That means hearings and a potential impeachment vote. Um, Adam Schiff, the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, uh, he's got huge eyes, weird uh, bug eyes. Adam Schiff, uh, he's tweeted out that the whistleblower at the center of this whole, I guess, scandal now, who claims that the president, in a call with the Ukrainian leader, withheld aid until Ukraine started investigating Joe Biden and Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. Schiff is saying that the whistleblower who uh, issued the formal complaint about this has reached out to the Intelligence Committee and could testify as soon as this week. More Democrats are coming around on the impeachment issue. John Lewis gave a uh, speech on the floor today calling for the president's impeachment. Joe Biden now on the uh, campaign trail saying that if uh, the president doesn't cooperate, (laughs) I don't think he's going to cooperate, Joe. Uh, If the president doesn't cooperate, he should be impeached. Although Trump is saying that he's going to authorize release of the transcript uh, of the call. Um, I mean, he basically has admitted to what happened on the call. He just doesn't think that there's a problem with it. So uh, I don't think the script is going to exonerate him. Yeah, this transcript, excuse me. This thing might actually be happening um, if executed successfully. I mean, it's not like you're going to get Senate Republicans on board with this. But if Democrats can keep this issue going... You could have a potential situation in which you have Republicans running for re-election next year, constantly having to defend all the stuff that Trump has done over the last couple of years, which is not exactly the way you want to run a campaign. But no, if it, there's any group of people that could screw this whole thing up, though, it is Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. And they so. should be chastised constantly for letting it get to this point. I mean... You can't help but feel like one of the reasons that Trump thought he could uh, get away with haranguing, <laughs> with haranguing the Ukrainian president into uh, looking into Hunter Biden is that Nancy Pelosi made it very clear that she took impeachment off the table. Yeah, that it was a very clear signal to a completely amoral uh, guy to just do whatever he wants. And we'll see it's too if it's too late or not. I mean, either way, the Democrats should be trying to gum up the works in Congress until the election. This is good. Um, it'll be good for them to dig up stuff damning on the president. And obviously, this runs the gamut. We're not just talking about the Hunter Biden stuff. We're talking about emoluments. That's a big one. I mean, this has just sort of pushed the um, the refueling stories out of the news. But we're we're seeing, uh, we were seeing over the past few weeks stories about the uh, yes, the sir. military refueling and staying at Trump 
One golf impeachment, one impeachment worthy offense pushing another impeachment worthy offense off of the headlines yeah. is sort of the story of the Trump administration. And here we are well over two years into it and uh, the House leader finally getting on board here or we don't even know how on board she is. She's just kind of allowing it to move forward. Another interesting thing going on um we noted a few days ago that the New York Fed had injected $128 billion into the financial system, into short-term lending markets in order to uh, keep interest rates low. Well, uh, the New York Fed has also pledged to inject up to $75 billion in, sh- big numbers. in, in short-term lending every day, every day <laughs> until October 10th. It might not be that much, but it has promised $75 billion in short-term lending markets alone. And by short-term, I mean the very shortest term, the so-called overnight uh, repurchase markets. They're injecting, other, uh, they're injecting money, uh, similar amounts, into other uh, slightly longer-term lending markets. Is this good? <laughs> is it good the Fed is just... Offering $75 billion every day to keep the uh, financial system lubricated? I mean, <laughs> I, I wish I, it was being uh, injected directly into stimulus into everybody's fucking pocket. That would be a lot more beneficial to the economy. I think, you know, I think if I borrowed $75 billion, I could pay it back the next night. Sure. With a uh, slight interest. I, I would just... Uh, Play the roulette tables. Eventually, you're going to hit one of the, the little numbers, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I can pay it back. Anyway, I'm just going to max out my lineups on FanDuel. <laughs> so this is all being done ostensibly to uh, help the Federal Reserve achieve its interest rate targets, which have just been lowered. Uh, and it all started last week when basically... Uh, there were bond auctions and interest rates shot up overnight interest rates shot up to like 10%. So money markets are tight is basically the larger picture of this. And talk about more headwinds for a potential Donald Trump reelection campaign and just how fucking beatable he's going to be next year. Yeah. I mean, like I know that a lot of Bernie supporters want to make Trump out to be unbeatable except to one candidate, Bernie Sanders. But me as a Bernie supporter, I realize how fucking beatable this guy is going to be and what a chance we have to elect Bernie Sanders, who, I mean, would probably be unelectable in most elections going up. Like if he was going up against someone like John Kasich, you would have like most Democrats leaving in droves to vote for John Kasich <laughs> yeah. uh, against Bernie Sanders. But here the alternative is Donald Trump. And that might be enough to like get enough people to either not vote for Trump or stay home or even maybe support Bernie Sanders that he could win this election. So uh, and to be clear, this is not a case for Joe Biden, even though I no. am, I'm beginning to think I mean, that Joe Biden could probably beat Trump if he's not. Like if his brain hasn't stopped deteriorating by then, yeah, right. If if current polls hold up, but obviously that's that's a big if, right? Will his brain not because de- it's deteriorating? But will it not deteriorate enough uh, by next November? And remember, it also has to deteriorate more than Trump's brain 
Yeah. I think- but but that said, even if Biden wins, you don't want him uh, to because he can't govern. He can't fucking. He can't even hold a thirty second conversation. I think everyone running in the Democratic primary could probably beat Donald Trump with the asterisk next to Joe Biden because of the brain stuff. Because of the brain. Um, Andrew Yang could beat him. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if Pete Buttigieg or maybe Beto O'Rourke. I'm not sure if those guys or Klobuchar couldn't. So Klobuchar definitely not. All right, so let me re- rephrase that. Let's let's there's walk like, this back. A there's little. like five candidates who have a chance of winning. Maybe maybe they don't have enough chance of winning. There's like five candidates who could beat Donald Trump. I'd say I'd say Bernie, Warren. I think Kamala Harris could probably beat him. Uh. <laughs> she Andrew would, she would struggle. I think she would Andrew struggle Yang. I think Andrew sure. Yang could beat Donald Trump for sure. Uh, and yeah, there's someone else out there. Like, uh, what's his face? The dude who uh, worked in the Obama Castro. 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 Julian Castro. Castro could definitely beat Trump. Yeah. All right. So there's five. I hit five. <laughs> I'll stop there. I don't want to <laughs> keep pushing this. But the point is, is that in addition to everything else that uh, is weighing Trump down, we also have a potential recession coming. We got, yeah. we got money markets tightening uh, and we have increased eyes on the corporate world, specifically a company <laughs> that Sam Sachs and I have been uh, railing against as a bellwether for our fucking pyramid scheme economy. And so basically the news peg here is that the WeWork CEO stepped down. Adam Newman is stepping aside, realizing that is fucking weird. Uh, My company is based on $47 billion of energy, uh, renting his own properties to the company. His wife allegedly also telling people she doesn't like them. She fires people basically based on energy too. It's a big energy company. Anyway. Big crystals company. So they obviously, their IPO, their proposed IPO has been a disaster. Slashed by like two thirds. Slashed like fucking Michael Myers. And now Adam Newman, WeWork CEO, has stepped down. So uh, another indication, things are not well in the economy, despite the low unemployment rate. We We have things to worry about. Before we get to the newscast, should we talk about the General Assembly? Do we care? So, I mean, I feel like we should cover it every year, but I also feel like it's just a glorified State of the Union where one dipshit after another gets up and, and gives a speech. And I don't think there's been a memorable UN moment since Hugo Chavez said the devil was here after George Bush, after George W. Bush was there. And he was like, damn, smells like sulfur. That was tight. That was tight. Nothing It's hard else. to ever top that. It'll be hard to to top that i mean look i'm a i'm a fan of uh greta thunberg (laughs) i don't have a problem with her i like how she makes conservatives absolutely lose their shit and sure i guess she's a kid who should be off doing other things but she probably wants to do this but oh yeah she's in a very effective communicator and has brought a lot of people into the into the issue that may not have been brought into the issue so uh good on her i mean her railing against uh people yesterday at the un was good as hell unfortunately none of them got the message because they're all like oh 
you rock, Greta, like Amy Klobuchar. Like, yeah. It's like, no, she's talking about people like you. She, yeah, who she's have completely failed. Specifically saying you failed. You you don't go around and turn around and say, great speech, Greta. Yes, you it, should it, feel it, ashamed. Yeah, say, I will do better. But I, I, I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but I just... I'm trying to imagine what it's like being a 16-year-old right now and reading these uh, very grim climate reports. So I imagine that, like, yeah, this is what she wants to do because she looks at her future and is like, holy fuck, this sucks. All right. It is Tuesday, September 24th, 2019. Here's the news. The Bernie Sanders campaign unveiled a sweeping wealth tax proposal on Tuesday. He announced the plan while also making a case against billionaires, claiming in a tweet that they, quote, shouldn't exist. The proposal goes above and beyond the wealth tax his progressive rival Elizabeth Warren proposed. Her plan levied a 2% tax on all wealth over $50 million and a 3% tax on all wealth over a billion dollars. Bernie's plan hits wealth starting at $32 million with a 1% tax that increases gradually to 8% on all wealth over $10 billion. It would generate, according to the campaign, nearly $4.5 trillion in revenue over the next decade. Supreme Court has previously ruled against wealth taxes, calling them unconstitutional, but that was way back in 1895. Legal scholars today argue that a legitimate case can be made for the implementation of a wealth tax, obviously not in front of this Supreme Court, though. Both Warren and Bernie, if they were to win and try to adopt their wealth tax, would likely have to change the makeup of the Supreme Court first, either through packing it or impeaching justices. And that's probably an even heavier lift than getting Congress to support a genuinely popular and relatively moderate thing like a small wealth tax. Still, uh, a good start from the Sanders campaign, building on stuff it had introduced before and going beyond the Warren campaign's proposal. Should go a lot further, though, particularly if Bernie actually believes that billionaires shouldn't exist, as he's tweeting out and saying in interviews. You're going to have to do a little more than taxing Jeff Bezos's wealth at 8%. Yeah, Jeff Bezos, a Washington Post analysis said Bezos would be left with $40 billion. Still going to be a lot of billionaires. Still, I mean, to be fair, that is like three quarters of Bezos's net worth, but... $40 $40 billion is a lot. Bernie should very clearly be rolling this out like, oh, let me be clear, this is step one. Anyway, the Senate looks set today to approve the appointment of a former Coke lackey to a top position overseeing federal land management. Mitch McConnell has scheduled a procedural vote this afternoon on the nomination of Daniel Giorgiani to serve as Department of Interior Solicitor. The position is the top legal job in an agency overseeing the leasing of federal land by natural resource extraction companies. Giorgiani is already the department's acting solicitor and principal deputy solicitor. In that role, he has made waves by greenlighting significant harm already. In 2017, for example, he issued a legal opinion saying it was actually fine killing protected birds if you didn't intend to murder them. Quote, interpreting the Migratory Bird Treaty Act to apply to incidental or accidental actions, hangs the sword of Damocles over a host of otherwise lawful and productive actions. End of quote. I mean, this is basically an argument for saying that corporate negligence is not a thing. Saying that, oh, well, I didn't mean for those 15 rare birds to die when they uh, 
when they flew into my, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, you get the picture. Yeah. As noted, Giorgiani was a water boy for the Koch brothers before being hired by Trump to work for Interior. He has worked for the Charles Koch Foundation, the Charles Koch Institute, and Freedom Partners, the latter being a now defunct Koch-backed think tank. According to a liberal conservationist group called the Western Values Project, Giorgiani made $700,000 from Koch groups this decade working in think tanks in various policy analyst roles. Before Giorgiani worked for the Kochs, he served in the George W. Bush administration. And before that, he was involved in finance and resource extraction in the former Soviet Union as it rushed toward oligarchy, sending life expectancy plummeting in the 1990s. He is a Republican through and through. The Government Accountability Office has a report out documenting a new way in which the federal government bails out fossil fuel companies that are accelerating global warming. The oversight agency knocked the Department of Interior's Bureau of Land Management for drastically undercharging oil, gas, and coal extraction companies that are operating on leased public lands. Which are overseen by our good friend Giorgiani. <laughs> In case you don't know how this works, the federal government owns large tracts of land across the country and it leases some of that land to drilling companies for a fixed price per acre and then receives royalties on what's produced. The problem is, according to GAO, the government hasn't adjusted those rates to keep up with inflation and other economic factors in decades. For example, for onshore oil and gas leases, the minimum royalty rate of 12.5% has been in place since 1920. 19 fucking 20. Almost 100 years. And the minimum rental rate has been the same since 1987. Federal royalty and rental rates for oil and gas production have now dropped significantly below what some states charge for extraction on state-owned lands. In Texas, the royalty rate is up to 25%, and that's in, again, deep red, oil-friendly Texas. Federally, it's only 12.5%. GAO cited studies showing that the federal government could indeed raise its rental and royalty rates with little to no impact on the number of drillers operating on public land, but would greatly increase revenue to the federal government by the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars annually that are right now just captured as fossil fuel industry profits. Although it should be a lot higher so that it would actually reduce, significantly reduce drilling operations yeah. on public land. I was, was going to say we could uh, raise money for crucial public works and also... yeah. Reduce some of these fuckers. You got to get in GAO thinking here where they're sort of trying to like <laughs> bridge the divide. Anyways, GAO also found problems with oil, gas, and coal bonds. These are funds provided up front by companies engaged in drilling on public lands that are supposed to cover the costs of reclamation after the lease has ended. Unfortunately, the minimum value of these bonds was set in the 1950s and also has not been adjusted for inflation, meaning the value of the bonds are totally inadequate to cover the costs of reclamation. Amazing. In fact, J.O. found that 84% of bonds are too low to cover reclamation costs. Reading from the report, quote, BLM identified 89 new orphaned wells from July 2017 through April 2019, and 13 BLM field offices identified about $46 million dollars an estimated potential reclamation costs associated with orphaned wells and inactive wells that officials deem to be at risk of becoming orphaned in 2018. So to sum it up, at a time when we should be doing all we can to restrict fossil fuel production in order to save the freaking planet, we're actually giving sweetheart deals to fossil fuel companies to exploit public lands, leave a big fucking mess, and have the government pay for it. 
should make you very, very mad. Finally, the Trump administration has unveiled proposed changes to new overtime rules that were initially put forth by the Obama administration in a move taking away a potential raise for millions of workers. President Obama's Department of Labor had sought to double the floor for overtime exemptions to $47,000 from $23,000, the idea being to better compensate low-paid salary workers who are being exploited by the current pathetic threshold, which was basically designed to be a carve-out for middle management types. Except $23,000 is ridiculous. That's nothing these days. But the Trump administration is deciding to pare back the $47,000 number considerably while still offering some increase, though the new proposed threshold is only $35,568. And unlike the Obama proposal, it won't be indexed to inflation. So like the $23,000 threshold, it would probably be useless uh, before too long. According to Vox. The new changes mean that 2.8 million workers will miss out on higher pay, which will now only be seen by 1.3 million workers as opposed to 4 million workers. That'll do it for the newscast today. Time to read some poetry for our new subscribers on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Five bucks a month, you get access to all the content we put out, and you get your own haiku written for you in red on the air. I'll go first. This goes out to Nicholas. Snagging prepper stuff, gas masks, rifle butts, tin cans to smoke weed out of. Thank you, Nicholas. Finally, this is for human people person. Right wing guys saying the teen who hates climate change. Imagine she is racist. Thank you, human people person. Thank you to all the new subscribers on Patreon. Again, that's patreon.com slash district sentinel. That's it for the show. We're back tomorrow. We're here in DC, so you don't have to be.